good friend of mine. Hello and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Kyle Case and I'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life. Joining me in the studio today is my co-pilot, Jeff Harding. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Nothing fancy today. Just doing well. You're just doing well. Just doing well, yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. Yeah. Well, I'm, what's not to enjoy? Life is good. I, I, I can't argue with you there. I had I to say something you couldn't there. argue with me about. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jeff, we all want to know... How healthy we are. Oh, okay. <laughs> and also how you're doing. We all want to know how you're doing. That's true. We all do. We do want yeah. to know how healthy we are. And, you know, I think we all, for, for the most part, we want to remain disease free. And if there is a problem, we want to know about it and get on it as quickly as possible. True. Now, that being said, there is a school of thought out there that while it might seem smart to screen for any disease that you believe that you're at risk for, they're saying that some tests may do more harm than help when they're used in healthy people who show no signs of the illness. I believe that. You've heard that before, right? I do believe that. Now, that being said, I want to emphasize the may do more harm than good and point out that in the article that I'm going to share with you, uh, after every warning that a screening may be unnecessary, they usually follow up with a caveat that like, well, maybe you want to reconsider this, right? Yeah. And I know that at the games, you know, Jeff, you're in charge of them at the at the Huntsman World Senior Games. We do offer health screenings to our athletes. All non-invasive. Yeah. And we consider it a valuable service. Sure. And I think sure. that both of us feel quite strongly about it. We do. But it's good to hear both sides of this, of the argument, just so we can you know try to make informed decisions. So here's the dilemma. Basically... Screening tests that have a lot of, excuse me, um, basically screening tests that have a lot of false positives can lead to lots of other tests, some of which can be invasive. Yes. And as you said, at the Huntsman World Senior Games, we don't do invasive screenings or tests, but right. if you're getting that positive, that makes you worried. Right. Um, and so then you, you go down a road, stress. right? Yeah. yeah beyond that, like you said, experts say false positives can create anxiety and stress mm-hmm. while the patients wait for the results of further testing. And, you know, I, I can attest to this personally during a routine mammogram. Uh, my wife received a result that ended up being a false positive, thankfully. Yes. But during that period, oh, we yeah, were, room. you know, yes, we were room. concerned. We had a little bit of stress well, in our yeah, lives. You would. Uh, it ended up be- coming out fine and everything was great, but there was that stress there. So yep. you have to weigh in the potential harm, whether it's financial harm to the patient or the payer, Emotional harm to the patient or physical harm to the patient, says Dr. Melinda Massert, a professor of family medicine at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. You have to think about the downstream consequences when you're talking about screenings. There are some doctors who go so far as to say that you don't even need an annual physical. So not everyone agrees with that, but that's one of the schools of thoughts that's out there. So I want to share with you a list of tests that that they say you should probably avoid if you're healthy and I want to emphasize the if, uh-huh. uh, and if you have no symptoms of the disease for which the patient is being screened. So okay. all, of, all of these screenings are good screenings. There's nothing right, right. you know inherently wrong with them. They're just saying, maybe rethink having this screening if, on if a regular basis. If you to your body, your body says, hey, we're doing good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the first one is an annual EKG. Yeah. Now, have you ever done an EKG? I've never had one. Yeah, I haven't either. So heart risks are often underdiagnosed, especially in women. So women may be encouraged to have an electrocardiogram to reveal hidden problems. However, the United States Preventative Service Task Force recently advised against this test in people who are at low risk of heart attack or stroke. The USPSTF. Great acronym. Great acronym there. 
even went so far as to say that there wasn't solid evidence for or against EKGs in people who were at intermediate to high risk, but who had no symptoms. Oh, wow. Now, here comes the caveat that I talked about. Right. That doesn't mean the tests have no use, said Dr. Thomas Gaziano, an assistant professor of medicine at the Harvard Medical School. They are useful for diagnosing conditions like atrial fibrillation or abnormal heart rhythm. So, again, all of these screenings have their place, but it's just the idea of, is it right for me, right? Uh Here's another one. Yearly blood tests. People come into the office Uh, For their annual exam, and many people expect their doctor to order the standard panel, says Massart. But the chance that you'll identify an abnormality this way in the absence of any symptoms, she says, is extremely low. Yeah. So Massart favors an age-based screening, a one-time screening test after the age of 40. And then as you move forward, she says, you consider the patient's risk factors. Mm -hmm. If there are no risk factors, patients should be tested once every five years for cholesterol and once every three years for blood sugar. But if you have high blood sugar or you're obese or overweight, then testing for diabetes is warranted. Right. So again, there's a time and a place. And, and I'll say, I went in for my physical this year and the doctor wasn't going to do the blood screenings. Right. And I said, well, let's just do it one more time. I just wanted to see where I'm at. Actually, I was a little, I wasn't high in my cholesterol, but I was at the higher end of normal. Right. And I had made some lifestyle changes and started eating more so vegetables and stuff. So I wanted to see if I was doing better. And I actually went up 50 points. Oh. So now I'm like, now I'm in that stressful, like, is there something wrong with me? <laughs> What's going on? And I'm going to, yeah. you know, kind of keep doing these things that uh, were supposedly helping my body. Eat more oatmeal. Eat, eating more oatmeal and oats. I'm actually eating more Cheerios than oatmeal. <laughs> I have a hard time with oatmeal, but... You know, I'm 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 going to continue to do these things, and then right. in October I'm going to do this screening again right. just to see where I'm at, see if that was a false positive or if there's really something right. going on. So, anyway, I can attest to some of what's being said here. Yes, so, yes. a couple of more really quick uh, whole body MRI scans. So uh, the question about you know do we have diseases or are they in our future? A whole body MRI scan. They're promoted as a way to diagnose diseases like cancer before normal screenings can detect them. The problem with an MRI may be that it sees something that looks abnormal, but may never develop into anything serious. Uh, but then you've got that stress of what's going on, you know? Yeah. Uh, another one that they say, the exercise stress test. A uh, recent survey showed that in the last five years, one in eight asymptomatic Americans between the ages of 40 and 60 were getting heart stress tests. Uh, there's a huge cost that's associated with that, and there's a potential for false positives that lead to more downstream tests that may end up being unnecessary. Right. Well, an exercise is stressful, just period. So yeah, you're doing absolutely. it, you're going to have some stress. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. And then the last one, I'll get through this one really quickly. It's the uh, prostate-specific antigen test or the PSA test. Right. Uh, there's been a lot of data that sa- says now that most men can skip the PSA test. <clears throat> Excuse me. Over the past decade, we've learned that the potential... For false positives and all of their downstream consequences far outweigh any benefits that might come from using this test, says Massert. But there may be certain individuals for whom the test is more appropriate, such as men who are at higher risk for prostate cancer. This would include African-American males or men with a strong family history of prostate cancer. While still controversial, the PSA blood test can save some men's lives from prostate cancer, for every 1,000 men screened, one to two lives were saved, according to a recent research. So, you know, if yeah. you're if you're the uh, 998, it didn't matter. But if you're the one or two, then it made yeah. a difference there, right? That's true. So here's the common sense takeaway, Jeff. Uh, I think rather than just immediately jump to screenings, um, every man or, or woman, for that matter, 
uh, to uh, take the advice of their doctor or at least visit with their doctor about taking the tests and whether one is right for them. Uh, given their circumstances and their right. risk factors. And uh, if not, then it's okay to hold off on some of those things. So today, Jeff, our guests, we're excited. To and welcome them. and they are excited to be here. Yeah, I know that they are. We are going to visit with Dave and Rosemary Chapman, who currently serve as our square dance directors at the Huntsman World Senior Games. Both have been involved in helping put on the Huntsman World Senior Games in a lot of different ways for years. Uh, in fact, they've both been involved for much longer than yes. you and I have yes, been. Yes, they have. At the games, and we're excited to have uh, both of you here with us. And we do need to point out that yes, we do have competitive square dancing at the Huntsman World Senior well, we're, Games. Absolutely, we're going to talk about that, what that looks like, what that means, and how that works. So, so Dave, just to get us started here, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, where where you're from, how you got to St. George, and how you got involved with the Huntsman World Senior Games. Well, I'm a native Utah from Northern Utah, and moved down uh, here in 1992 and have been here ever since. Okay. And how did you get involved with the games? I started out as a communication director for the senior games. And then we had an illness by the chairperson. And uh, when he almost died, we stepped in and took over. And that was about 16 years ago. So you've been involved with the games for quite a while. Yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Rosemary, tell us your story. Where do you come from? How you, I guess you came here with Dave. (laughs) You guys have been together for a a while now. Yes, this will be our 55th year together. Oh, my goodness. Congratulations. Thank you. That is awesome. Clap, 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 clap. (laughs) (laughs) So where are you from originally, Rosemary? Uh, Salt Lake. Okay, so from northern Utah as well. Yes, yes. And uh, you you came down and you helped out as the communication director at the time. Actually, I started in bowling. Okay. I was bowling when David was still working. So... uh, as a uh, participant, I'm. I think this will be my 18th year. So, and so. Wow. I was. Yeah, <laughs> I was involved before he, before David uh, became uh, director, and then we were both bowling. So you have uh, already received your 15-year commemorative ring I for participating in the games for 15 uh, years, and yes. you're working on your 20-year commemorative watch. I am. Which is am. Uh, fantastic. So you started out helping, um, participating in bowling. And yes. uh, did you help direct bowling as well? Were you a volunteer there? No. Okay. No. Okay. So you were an athlete there and then um, jumped into helping from the other side of it, the administrative side of it with the communication. So I'm, I'm, I think that people would be interested to know about this square dancing as a competition, right? I think most people would consider square dancing, um, you know, probably fun and looks like a great activity, but how do you compete uh, in in the sport of square dancing? I think is it would be a common question. I know that comes up with, with me regularly when I tell people that we offer that sport. So how would you describe the square dance competition? Well, first of all, I want to thank you for inviting us to be here be, so that we can promote our 20th year. As 20 years of competitive score sport. dancing at the Huntsman yes. World Senior Games. That's yeah. worth mentioning and that worth is, promoting. Definitely. That's awesome. And uh, the competitive part of it, when David and I took over as directors, was a, a learning curve for the dancers. Because square dancing, as you said, is, has, is not thought of as competitive. But it's definitely athletic. Very athletic. In fact, 
David and I think that it's as athletic as a basketball sport, yeah, as a uh, volleyball, because every time you're in a square, you are on a team. A square in square dancing requires four couples or eight people as um, two for a, as a couple. And every time they're in that square, they are being given instructions by a uh, qualified caller. And they have to follow the caller's directions. Now, when you say it that way, it sounds kind of like it's easy to do. But let me attest that (laughs) it is not easy to do. When, When you say they're given instructions by a qualified caller... Um, these instructions are coming at a very, very rapid pace. <laughs> I mean, they're just being jetted out there, and uh, it's pretty amazing to watch. So, you got this square. You've got uh, four, uh, eight couples. You got eight couples in a square. Eight people. Yeah. Oh, eight people. So, four right. couples, eight people in a square, which means, what does it mean when they're square? They're, they are in a position to ready for dance. Okay, so square means they're ready to dance. And then once the calls begin, they, they have to follow what those calls say. And do they know in advance what the calls are going to be? Yeah, there's 168 different calls that are made uh, at any time during the senior games. And of those, 68 of them are mainstream or the uh, beginning level of dancing. And then of those 68, there's an... Uh, various uh, positions that you can be placed in. So it makes it difficult just even to start out uh, in the mainstream as a competition. So they know what the calls are, but they don't know what order they're going to come out in. Uh, No, they're done in a uh, sequence that is changed every year so that they do not know what the pattern is going to be. And that's what makes it fun. It's what makes it really a lot of fun. <laughs> You're listening to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life, and we're visiting with Huntsman World Senior Games Square Dance Directors, Dave and Rosemary Chapman. Um, you know, Jeff, you'll, you'll, you'll remember as a staff, we had an opportunity to kind of do a little bit of square dancing uh, just to get a feel for what the sport is like and what that looks like. And again, I can just attest that this is not as simple as you might think. Some of us may have had a square dancing unit in elementary school. I know that I did. And it was fun. You know, I really enjoyed it. But we we memorized a specific dance and we took a lot of time and we practiced that specific oh, yeah. dance. And, the Virginia and, Reel or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Something I'm sure very basic and simple. But that was my idea of what square dancing was. And then we went to this, uh, you know, we this this experience that we had. And uh, boy, I just learned right away that <laughs> it it is not easy to keep up. And of course, Jeff, we were doing the super, super way basic yeah, some slow and, stuff. Yeah. And if you ever have an opportunity to go out to Sun River during the Huntsman World Senior Games when square dance is going on, take advantage of it. Oh, yeah. Because you will be blown away by the skill that these dancers have. And, and the costumes when they're, when they're wearing their, their outfits, they're, it's very colorful. It's it's aesthetically attractive and it's impressive when you're watching it's a lot of fun but it's also a lot of fun like you just mentioned it's it's a good time and besides that it makes you smarter in a recent study of a 21 year study of citizens 75 or older it was led by the Amer- Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York and funded by the National Institute on Aging it says that in reducing dementia, 
if you bicycle, swim, or play golf, there's zero chance that you can reduce the uh, dementia issue. If you're reading, you can get 35% uh, reduction in dementia. If you're doing a crossword puzzle at least four times a, a week, you get 47%. But if you dance once a week uh, and, and do that frequently, it's 76% drop in dementia just for dancing. It looks like after we turn 76, we need to start doing some square dancing. <laughs> it, it might I would not, read. It, it might, start sooner. might not I be would. too late. Yeah, now, now might be the time, right? Probably. You know, I've read similar studies um, on that and the health benefits, total body health benefits of dancing are pretty incredible. But when you add in that mental and mind aspect, it's hard to not feel like, hey, this might be something to take a serious look at. Well, that's one of the uh, interesting things. Most of the sport events uh, here at the games are uh, divided by age groups. We don't have an age group. Our uh, competition is every age, in any age in the square from yeah. 50 and over. And so when uh, they're they are dancing... The one thing they have in common is that they've all learned the calls. Right. They're there and they're familiar with it. So age doesn't make a difference. Yeah, that unifies everybody, that right. speaking that right. common language. Speaking right. of speaking of speaking a common language, uh, last year we had a really unique opportunity at the Huntsman World Senior Games to host a number of Japanese uh, dancers that came from Japan. Uh, with very little English knowledge as far as like, you know, going down to the grocery store. Conversational English. Yeah, conversational English and, you know, buying a gallon of milk or whatever. But they know the calls for square dance moves in what we consider English, right? Right. You could go and square dance anywhere in the world and the calls are all taught in English. What is difficult is that like you said, sometimes the accent, the uh, accent is a little different. <laughs> can uh, be a little limiting. But yes, it was a fabulous experience having 16 dancers from Japan here with us. But you know, it makes sense that it would just be in the same language because ballet, all the moves are in French. That's true. That's and, true. And we just learned so the French dance words really form. can unify uh, people all around the world. You know, if we could just get uh, Kim and Donald on a dance floor. I think we'd, uh, you know, we, we'd end Solve up making some progress. <laughs> Solve some problems there, right? Probably have a good laugh. <laughs> and probably have a good time as well. So tell us a little bit about uh, these Japanese dancers, how they kind of got here, and what was the experience when they were here? Well, uh, our callers are uh, Gary Schumach and Ken Bauer, and they have called events in Japan and were acquaintance with a... Uh, Martha oh, uh, yeah, Ogasawara and uh, she had been contacted by Ken Bauer and then Ken asked David Nye to look into seeing what we could do to bring a group over here so we worked with uh, Martha and she had flyers, what is put out uh, with all the information from the games. And everything had to be translated into Japanese, right. which she took care of. 
and she put these flyers out, and they were disappearing extremely rapid. (laughs) She hurried up and pulled them out and says, whoa, there's more interest in this than she really expected. And she says, I'm going to start hand-picking the number or the participants. And so she uh, had 19 originally, Mm -hmm. and she incidentally was the only translator. So she was for translating. All, for all 16 that ended up coming. Yes. But they kept her busy. <laughs> it did. It did. But she was uh, amazing. But anyway, she gets this group. She came over two or three weeks earlier and traveled because she is a U.S. citizen. But oh, okay. has lived in Japan for more than 30 years. Yeah. So then the rest of the group came over on the Friday before the games, specifically for the games. And then they left the next Friday uh, to go home. So the biggest, the majority of the group came just to be with us. And how did they do? Beautiful. Everybody. (laughs) There were two that were too young to compete, but were able to dance with us. But the rest of them all went home with medals. So they did well. Boy, did we have a great. uh, (laughs) They went home and talked us up. And they're not coming back this year, but there's already a group coming back for... Uh, 2019? 2019, yes. Wow. Well, that's yeah. awesome. So, uh, once again, that the concept of dance, bringing people together. And, um, you know, one of the things that you shared with me that I didn't know beforehand was that idea that all the calls are the calls that are universal. You know, I mean, we'll say English, but... You know, um, Alamen left is, you know, is that really English? You know, just, I, don't, just, I don't know what it translates to, but it's English. <laughs> it's just a call, you know, that, that uh, tells you a certain dance move and that idea of bringing people together under a common language and, you know, shared uh, values and beliefs within the, you know, that dance community is, is really kind of inspiring to me. And I, I, I find that uh, that fascinating that that's the way that it works. Kyle, uh, one thing I'd like to mention is we get a question uh, at almost every celebration that we put together, Square Dance, why is Square Dancing competitive and in the senior games? But if you think about it, it's a mental sport because you've got all of those 168 calls to know and be able to react to very quickly, but it's also aerobic. We have uh, five to seven minute tips where we'll dance for that long, and then we have to rest so that we can get our heart rates down before the next tip. And having done it, you, have, you do have to rest. To it's it's a aer- it is aerobic, and especially at the pace that the good dancers are doing it. You know, for Jeff, for you and I, let's be honest, oh. um, we were out of shape, but that's our fault. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we were heavy breathing, but you know, we weren't doing anything that was exceptional. But no. when you see people really dance, square dance that are good, it's pretty. It's it's an active sport. It is very active. The last thing is, is we're a team event because if one person breaks down in that square, then the square breaks down and they have to stop dancing until the caller gets them into a position where they can start again. So it really is a very competitive sport as well as a lot of fun for the senior oh, that's games. Great. And it's, it's worth just clarifying that that is how the competitive aspect of it works. When, when every dancer is following the calls perfectly then they are in a square and everything's correct. If someone gets out of sync, then a stopwatch starts and that stopwatch runs until everyone gets back in sync. And the squares with the smallest amount of time on their stopwatch are the squares that win at the end of the day. 
And, uh, and that's amazing. So Dave and Rosemary, thank you so much for joining us. That's all the time that we've got to visit with you, but we're so grateful for your help with the games and glad that you could join us today. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be a part of this organization. Thank you. Thank you both so much. So Jeff, registration for the Huntsman World Senior Games is open, as we know. Yes, it is. Uh, We've already reached participation caps in a couple of sports, specifically pickleball and bowling, but still get in there. Square dancing is open. Square dancing is open. Go through that registration process, even if your sport happens to be closed, because a lot of times we can get you off the waiting list into the tournament. And again, there's 28 other sports that are ready to go. Visit SeniorGames.net and register today. The 2018 dates for the Huntsman World Senior Games are October 8th through the 20th, so you've got plenty of time to get prepared, but don't delay on the registration part. Also, don't forget to tune in next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on AM 1450 or FM 93.1 for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play, and you can even find us in your Stitcher app as well. It's easy to add us to your list of favorite podcasts. Just search for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life, hit subscribe, and you'll never miss an episode. And if you have an idea for a show or a question for us, shoot us an email at activelife@seniorgames.net. Our quote today comes from H. Jackson Brown. He says, the best preparation for tomorrow is doing your best today. Amen to that. Until next Thursday, stay active. Bye, everyone. Bye.